still recovering from editing that interview. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mister. We should do more guest episodes. These are <laughs> these are easy for us. We just have a conversation uh, with somebody. I thought it would be easier. Cue three extra days of editing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 456 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm fighter number one in the right corner, Brian Lovin. <laughs> Player two has entered the game. Hi, I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Uh, Brian, what do we got on the docket for today? We're going to fight today, Marshall. We are going to fight. You know, for, fight. <laughs> fight. For people who don't know. When Marshall and I first started co-hosting together, we had this whole list of recurring segments we wanted to have. And one of them that we came up with was called Fight Me. Or Let's Fight. Let's, let's fight. fight. Yeah. Or was or it, was fight it Fight Me? Maybe it was Fight Me. Yeah, I think it was Fight Me. I think it might have been Fight Me. Yeah. And the idea was, we're going to figure out stuff we disagree on, and we're going to debate it on the podcast. Uh-huh. Well, here's the problem, Marshall. You and I don't <laughs> disagree on that much stuff. Yeah, not very often. Yeah. And so today we found something we can actually fight about. So we're going to yeah. fight in today's episode. But, of course, we got to give a shout out to Catch, Catch asks you listener why did you become a freelancer was it for freedom or flexibility well it probably was not because you wanted to manage your own health insurance taxes and retirement catch does all that for you they offer benefits and personal payroll for the self-employed so make sure you're covered you're well into 2023 all you freelancers out there make sure you're covered protected getting the best benefits you can at catch.co slash design details slash health or just tap the link in the show notes once again, that's catch.co slash design details slash health. Thank you, Catch. Thanks, Catch. We also have some new very important pixel hey. this week. Welcome to the fam. Martina Nikolova, Marchin Witchery. Hey, Marchin, welcome. Oh, Marchin, nice. Uh-huh. I, think, I think Marchin wanted to hear the bonus interview <laughs> final cut. He'll be gone next one. That's our that's our big scam is we just have guests on the podcast and tell them something juicy dropped in the sidebar and then they have to subscribe. Uh-huh. <laughs> so thanks, Martin. All right. Uh, shout out to Kathy Ma. Not my full name. Justin Frank, Adam Simon, Jason Reynolds, Daniel McGill, Tong Tong Lu, and Kieran Boswell. Hey, hey, what a list. Welcome to the hot tub, everybody. Welcome. Welcome on in. If you didn't know. We are a listener-supported podcast. All the people that we just mentioned are supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details. Over there, we publish bonus content when we you know, drop this main episode. We also drop some bonus content for our Patreon supporters, and it only costs a dollar a month. Just a buck a month? Just a buck a month. We call that bonus content the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. And this week's sidebar over on the Patreons, we're going to be talking about how much time to spend on polish, especially mm. as a early stage startup, mm. which is close to where home. I am at <laughs> right now. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be asking Marshall for some advice and sharing some strategies on what we're doing uh, while building campsite, figuring out how much to focus on polish. So if you want to hear that conversation, as well as get access to the backlog of now well over 100 sidebar episodes in the old archive Go to patreon.com slash design details and consider supporting us for just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. All right. All right. Marshall, tiny bit of 
follow up before we start fighting. Yeah, speaking of Marchin. Speaking of Marchin, I just want to say that we interviewed Marchin the day before his Kickstarter for Shift Happens, the book, launched. And if you'll remember in the interview, Marchin was a little bit nervous. He's like, yeah. I don't know if the Patreon's going to work. I'm like, sure. Who knows how well it's going to do. Yeah. I think they reached their first goal yeah. within like two hours. Yeah, those worries were unfounded. Uh, yeah, yeah, by the time I checked the following morning, it had already passed the goal and then some. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyways, huge shout out to Marchin, whose book is now at the time of this recording, very, very close to having $600,000 of pledges. So, and, you know, not surprising at all, looking at the quality of all the materials surrounding the book, including the book itself, like I am not surprised at all. Yeah, it's still hard to comprehend and it's so much money and well-deserved. So well done, Marchin. If you are listening and enjoyed the last interview with Marchin or just want a kick-ass book about keyboards, we'll have a link in the show notes to the Shift Happens Kickstarter. Okay, Marshall, <laughs> shall we fight? We shall fight right into it. Yeah, ding, okay, ding, can ding. I, c- can I kick this one off? Uh, go ahead. Here's the fight. Should designers name their layers? Ooh, spicy. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and and we differ on this. We've discussed. We do differ. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's state our side, mm-hmm. and then then we can let the debate begin. Or, this well, is fairly unstructured. We'll figure this out as we go. Sh- should we start with the reasoning why we're talking about this? Even okay, sure. Let's start with the backstory. Um, if you are listening to this and you have ever visited the website twitter.com at any point in the last two weeks, you've probably seen some designer being snarky or sharing a meme about whether designers should name their layers. And it all traces back to one tweet from a design lead at Airbnb who said uh, emphatically, yes, you should name your layers. Uh, if you don't, you are lazy and inexperienced Um not verbatim, but it was a, a strongly worded tweet. Yeah, paraphrasing. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, did that kick up a firestorm of people debating whether or not designers should name their layers. So as Marshall and I were talking about topics for today that came up, like, ah, oh, Twitter drama, man, people seem to overreact to this stuff. What do you think? What do you think? And we think different things. So I'll, st- I'll start. I'm going to take camp. It doesn't really matter 99% of the time. Whether or not you name your life. That's such a high percentage. Okay, continue. (laughs) 98% of the time. It doesn't matter. Uh All right, what's your position? Uh, The inverse? I don't know. I I would say... 2% of the time, it's okay to not name your layers. Yeah, yeah. That's about where I'm at. Okay. Can you defend your position? Um, Okay. Mostly I'm speaking from experience here of of what it means to not do that and and the consequences of not doing that, both for myself and for the people around me who have to access my files, right? Especially if you're building stuff for componentry, right? Like it's one thing to make mocks that look like that. It's another thing to make reusable components that have unnamed layers. But even outside of that specific instance, I think, ha, huh, instance, uh, I think that naming your layers sets yourself up, especially if you do it immediately. And I've been a long proponent of this. If you name your layers as you make them, then any subsequent duplication or exploration of those things inherits all of your good work early on, especially if many of those explorations end up being viable and you want to keep them around. They aren't just like stepping stones to a, a better solution. 
if you keep them around, you're going to have to, you'll probably want to go back through and like name that stuff well in a, in a way that like any one of them could be usable, right? I don't know. But why, why, why does a named layer make it usable? Why is it not enough to be able to look at the design and decide whether or not the, the thing is correct? And then from there, click into a layer or command click to select a deeply nested layer to discover its properties and figure out its relationship to its siblings and parents and children. Mm -hmm. Why is that not enough? Why does the name of the layer matter at all? Yeah, okay. I think it's kind of multifaceted in that when you are thinking about how you're naming your layers, you're also thinking about how you're structuring your layers and you're thinking about how that structure should be named. And, you know, I found that like creating parent containers and like when I group things together with auto layout and things like that, it forces me to think about what do these things have in common? Why am I grouping them together? Is there like an umbrella name that describes this collection of things rather than just group 7,582, right? Also, there's a screenshot in that tweet thread that includes a bunch of groups that are named. I almost never use groups. That's a that's a whole yeah, other conversation. Yeah, that was another weird thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you and I are on the same page that <laughs> okay, cool. frames are clearly superior to groups. Uh-huh. But. but yeah, so I think it, when you have to think about your names, you also have to think about your structure. You're like just being mindful of the layers panel and not just doing one container that has a bunch of flat hierarchy things living next to each other and kind of floating around in this amorphous goo of your UI. You know, there's no structure. And that's not to say that you can't have structure without naming. I think it's just one sort of leads to the other, one one helps the other, and it's just a, a mindset to be in. Does that make sense? Yeah, and again, I, I think that's why it's, man, I think we need something more objective here. Like, I think you've described why it's useful for you. Like, it is a helpful tool for you, but just because it's helpful for you doesn't necessarily mean that it's something everybody should do. Obviously, I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion that everybody should do something. Uh, yeah, we're going to solve it right now. Yeah. But I, I want a little bit more than it's useful for me to know my layers or naming things helps me understand the function of things and helps me come up with better designs. Like, I think those are good reasons for people to consider naming their layers. But does that mean they have to name their layers? Are they a bad designer if they don't? No, I, I would not go that far. I, I don't think it makes you a bad designer if you don't name your layers. But if you're working in a collaborative environment, it does make you a less considerate designer than you could be otherwise if you were to name your stuff so that your engineer or other designers who are working on the same files are able to tell what the hell is going on and infer from that naming what your intention is in addition to all the other properties and alignments and things that you've set up. Okay, so then you're saying the real value is for other people to like engineers or PMs to be able to easily traverse and understand your design. Um, I, I don't think I would say any of these is the real value. It's like a sum of the parts kind of a thing, right? Or it's like for yourself now from a hygiene perspective and also from like just a, a just like a good build quality perspective, named layers, I think are better than non-named layers what that amount of better is, is arguable. But like, I, th- I think kind of objectively, it's better to name something than to leave it unnamed. Do we disagree on that maybe? Yeah, I mean, my position is slightly complicated because I feel like there's clear reasons why naming your layers is better than not. I think my point is that people think it matters more than it actually matters. So I I don't view that process as a requirement. And I think there's a lot of cases where naming your layers is a 
type of like premature optimization. Like the the naming of something can almost lock you into the idea of what that thing should be versus being a little bit more freeform, right? Like it's interesting that FigJam doesn't have a layers panel because I think when you are in design mode, when you're trying to be freeform, that lack of structure can maybe help you go wider. I understand then that at some point you're probably trying to refine your design and maybe the naming of things is helpful in in a first person sense. Like if it helps you keep yourself organized, that's great. But I think two things are true. One is most people are bad at naming things. And so there's a very high likelihood of over-investing in what you should name some container that you know five iterations down the road is no longer containing the thing that you've named the layer for what it contains, right? Like the design has just changed too much. So now you're constantly not only trying to multitask what is the correct solution, but also does my layer name reflect the current iteration's idea for that best solution, right? Like it just feels like a multitasking thing that will slow you down. Now, if you have like a formal handoff process, I could imagine a world where an engineer might appreciate that, but I still don't know that that's totally true. Like, it seems like the engineer cares more about the structure than the naming, right? Like, okay, these are three things contained together within some frame that helps me understand, okay, I'll put these in a div and this time I might align them with Flexbox or something else. It's like the structure seems more useful than the naming of a thing because probably in code it will never get named to that right depending on the code i suppose but it's probably just going to be a div if you're building a website it's going to be a div right mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, yeah the structure itself will be a div for sure right but so will the element like you will just write div you, that layer name will never have any markup yeah, it'll be a div, it will never be included all, in the code base all right? the content inside of it will be you know you're, you're basically naming by classifying by saying this is a paragraph and you know some predefined component that i'm bringing in or this type style or whatever like maybe the classes are a better way of describing it like you wouldn't just make a class and then have a bunch of variables in it that are like one two blah (laughs) whatever right boy oh boy have you not seen tailwind (laughs) (laughs) okay well tailwind is literally that it's like just fuck class names just write the styles in line basically interesting what it's doing okay and so maybe that's actually you know what i wonder if that's really contributing to my my point of view on this because i'm so deep in tailwind world where I no longer use class names as descriptors of the thing. Like this was always a problem with other CSS solutions, BEM or even styled components. You always had to name the container, the the containing class. And so you'd end up with, you know, card layout container and then card container and then card inner container and then card inner container header. And then you just have to like make up shit. And then as you're refactoring, inevitably, the names of your classes no longer map to reality. And so Tailwind was like, screw that. You don't need to do any of that. If this thing needs two units of of spacing or padding, just say P2. Okay, padding two. Oh, it needs three units of vertical spacing and four units of horizontal spacing. Okay, PX, four, and PY, three. Like it, it became much more literal. So as you learn the syntax, you can basically read a string of class names one after the other and sort of picture in your head how it will actually get rendered in a web page. Obviously, all this is specific to, to web, I'm sure. Probably different in mobile world, but I'm not a mobile engineer, so I don't know. 
Anyways, I think maybe that is altering my brain on why I don't think layer names matter anymore. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's also the argument of your future self, right? Coming back to a file, not having worked on it for months and seeing something like, what was I thinking here? And being able to quickly find your way through something, just looking at the layer names and navigating that way. But there's also, for me the kind of compulsion to have everything match, right? So like Uh if I have a string that is a title, I want the name of that layer to be title. I want the placeholder text for that layer to be title. I want the component property. I want all of that stuff to match so that there's like consistency across the entire system. You know what I mean? And maybe this is just... Yeah. How my brain works. But like when all of those things are aligned, it's like, okay, that's right. You know what I mean? And maybe this is a further along uh, in the process kind of thing. And before we got talking here, we I made a, a metaphor, which is like, I think it goes back to the 98 to 2% kind of thing of like naming conventions should be the diet that you're on. That doesn't mean you can't have cheat days, you know, but recognize that you're cheating on those days and that the normal thing is the diet is the, is the naming convention, right? It's less fun. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's more work, but like it's better for you long-term. I don't know. I, that's how I think about it. Yeah. I think you have like a level of discipline or perfectionism or you're such a systems oriented person that like teasing apart the name of the thing versus what is the right solution or the right design. Like I think those things are intertwined for you because to come up with the right solution, you need to be thorough and organized and have things well documented or laid out correctly. I I can just see how your brain works where this is like the naming of the layers is part of the process of getting to the correct design. And I can also see other designers that just don't have that. They're loosey-goosey. And maybe that creates these negative consequences down the road, either when it comes to collaborating with engineers or PMs or when it comes to revisiting their past work. It also made me think that as Figma gets better and better, like they just recently shipped um, search, right? You can search for things in, in your canvas. Mm-hmm. Command F, yeah. And that is only useful if you've named your stuff, right? Uh-huh. So Yeah, that's another argument I didn't even make. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so I think... Thank you. Uh, call them to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is, which is I think before that, naming your layer probably you know mattered even less than it does today. But as more and more tooling gets built on top of that, it brings to mind a lot of the AI stuff, right? Like there are not even AI. There's just a lot of tools that will try to take a Figma file and create a website from it, for example. I know like some of the stuff that the Diagram team is working on, and I think there's a few other AI design tools. It seems like those will benefit a lot from having some kind of context. If you name your layers well, the AI will be able to infer your intent and will help you get to some sort of programmatic output a lot faster. So anyways, I can see why maybe this answer changes over time. But yeah. That's the other thing, interesting thing, right? Like speaking of diagram, the diagram team is working on AI layer naming. Like I think they're going to just try to throw a computer at this problem. Like you yeah. shouldn't be naming your layers yourself. Let the computer understand what you have designed 
and name it for you and then have it sort of automatically adjust as you go and refactor and move things around. Seems like that's the ultimate solution here, right? Yeah. Like self-documenting. Yeah, if it's, design if it's tool. smart enough to know and, and I think it could get close, right? But like how's it going to know the difference between an avatar and a regular old image or a thumbnail versus a preview versus a, you know, image one of many, I don't know. Like I think there's always some zhuzhing that will need to be necessary if you want to be specific about it. But like, yeah, that would that would get you like eighty percent of the way, I think. And I think this goes to a, another point that uh, I could make in my favor, which is like the system already tries to get you kind of close there. It's already trying to do a little bit of the AI thing that you're talking about. It's like, oh, okay, you're drawing a rectangle. We'll call it rectangle one, right? Or rectangle, and then if you draw a second one, that's rectangle two, right? Or oval, or whatever they call it, ellipse frame you know they're, they're trying to do a little bit of the work for you so that you can tell objects mm-hmm, apart mm-hmm. from each other even if they're not specifically named but once you start getting into the big numbers and like especially if your layers aren't ordered in the way that they appear on screen right like if you're using frames that don't force the order like auto layout frames do just regular old frames like i always lay those things out top left to bottom right but um, if you don't do that and you don't name the things, then it's really hard to find those things unless you're like command clicking in and then like working your way on the canvas. But the layers panel essentially becomes useless at a certain point, you know, and which is why I, I bring up the whole thing of like this is part of a larger structural hygiene thing. Yeah, again, it's you in the hygiene. Mm-hmm. Hygiene for now and also for later because that, that will maintain that you, you'll inherit all of that good <laughs> yeah. hygiene. Yeah. Hygiene for other people, right? And then for yourself in the future to actually understand what you're doing if, you, if you've if you forgotten. Or be able to yeah. grab pieces out of there and plug them into other stuff. But multifaceted, I think. But also very anal retentive. So I, I get it. I, I, can 100, I, I can see your point of view. And I also have named my layers for many, many years. I just don't think I'm a stickler for it. And I think the closer I get to being the implementer of the design the less it matters. But if you do have like a formal handoff process, I can see why it would be useful. I just think what really matters is does it get implemented correctly? And I'm just not convinced that naming a layer is going to get it implemented more correctly. But if it has single player benefits for your own sanity, then that's great. I don't know. Maybe my argument is weak here. Maybe people who are listening who don't name their layers can tweet at me some some strong counterpoints. Brian, you idiot! You're you're being such a bad representative for our argument. (laughs) Yeah, us non namers demand fair representation. I'm so sorry. I'm letting you all down. I just you're just such a pushover, Brian. I just think that the thing that gets shipped is what matters, and your users don't care. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because for me, uh, specifically in my current role, what I ship. The, the thing that I'm shipping is the layers. You know what I mean? To clarify, it's because you work on the design systems of YouTube. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, here's, here's my middle of the road is I think in your role for design systems and components, it does matter. Obviously, the name of a component really, really matters, especially if other people are using those components. The name of your properties for a component really, really matter. The name of your variants really, really matter because without those, you don't have an accessible design system to help people know what are the options? What are the possibilities? How should this work? How should it be implemented? I think all of that stuff really, really matters. So if, if I had to really come over to your side of the fence on this, it would be name your components, name the properties of your components and the variants of your components. 
But when you're in free form, loosey goosey, drawing stuff from scratch, just trying to feel out an idea. Nope. I don't think that the layer name matters. So yeah, maybe, maybe my position is more of like what phase of the design process are you at and who is the customer of that design? And if it, the customer is other designers, then it probably needs a little bit more structure or hygiene. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the, the cheat day that I was referring to is like, if you're in super early exploratory mode, like maybe you don't, I mean, you, you should still be structuring well, even if you're not naming everything, but like, just like cheat day, know that, you know, those cupcakes are going to show up tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap. I think maybe we can't end saying it depends. We solved it. No, I won. I won unequivocally. (laughs) (laughs) You won because I conceded that there were cases where you should name your layers, but you also conceded there were cases where it's okay to not. You just call it cheating. (laughs) I I call it having fun while designing. (laughs) Uh Semantics. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. Semantics. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends. Cool. Well, should we, should we let, uh, people tweet at us and tell us why either of us are right yeah, or wrong. Tell me how wrong I am. Okay. Well, everyone, let us know what you think. Should designers name their layers? Tweet at us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have uh, something clever to say, we'll we'll give it a shout out and follow up next week. Excellent. All right, Brian, cool things. You go first. Cool things. All right, my cool thing is your cool thing because hey. <laughs> not only did you show it to me, but it is also just something that I would have never, ever known existed without you telling me. Mm-hmm. And it is a TV show on HBO from two decades ago. Uh-huh. This all rhymes. Keep going. Called Deadwood. And we are almost through season one since you told us about it. Wow. And it's an interesting show because... Maybe I'll let you give the the premise here. I think you did a good job of that the other day. But it's an interesting show because there's lots of bits of it that I don't like. That I feel like some of the acting or some of the repetitive use of certain swear words kind of gets a little bit grating. But I still like the show and I really like the characters. And I like that the season revolves through different characters, like give you a different point of view on their motivations or why they behave certain ways. So anyways, that's my cool thing. But I think I I should hand it over to you to give the pitch for listeners who might be like me and have never heard of the show and need a reason to to go and check it out. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Deadwood is three seasons starring Timothy Oliphant and Ian McShane. Uh, Sarah Paulson's in it. Skyler, I can't remember the actor's name, but Skyler from Breaking Bad is in it. A lot of people you'd recognize. So the premise is 1870s gold rush in the West, unincorporated South Dakota slash like Montana area, I think. There's a town called Deadwood on the edge of a bunch of gold claims, very rich hills. And everybody who lives there is a prospector. And there are no rules because it's unincorporated America. So Timothy Oliphant is a former lawman moved from Montana to Deadwood with his partner to start a hardware store in this little town of Deadwood to provide the pickaxes and sifters for all these prospectors. And when he gets there, he uh, has to assimilate into this town of lawless killers and hooligans and it's really fun i don't know is that is that a decent setup that was pretty good yeah it's great ian mcshane is amazing ian mcshane is really the main character he is the owner of the saloon and a pretty bad dude but he has moments where you kind of see his point of view and he's like trying to survive and he uh, has some tough rules and but he like does a lot of the dirty work himself which i respect you know Uh uh-huh 
this is so when we started watching it, Virginia hadn't seen it before. And she's like, and, and I kept being like, okay, this is Al Swearingen. We like him. We like Al. And she's like, a couple episodes in, she's like, why do we like Al? He's a terrible guy. <laughs> he's, he's evil. <laughs> he's killing all these yeah. people. He's evil. He's a really bad guy. I'm like, I guess it's relative. Just wait till you meet the other characters. Al's a good guy. We like Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Al is a bad guy. He's an anti-hero. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's it's great. One of the things that I needed you to sort of describe why it was so fun for me to like pay more attention to and appreciate is the colorful language or just the way the characters talk to each other is so bizarre and fun and artistic. I think one of my favorite quotes, well, I won't be able to quote it, it was um, paraphrased. Somebody was, you know, basically telling another person to shut up. But instead of saying shut up, they said, if you keep on progressing like this, you're likely to done have somebody tell you to fuck off or something. I don't know. It's just like so <laughs> yeah. roundabout and with flourishes and ornamentation, all just uh-huh. to say, shut up. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, I love it, man. It's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. poetry. It's truly poetry yeah. with a lot of cursing. A lot, a of, lot cursing. of cursing. It's Every HBO other show. Word. There's Every gore and murder and sex and nudity and, and lots of cussing. But eventually you kind of grow deaf to it. It's just how they talk, right? Mm-hmm. It, but it is one, it's a show you have to watch with the subtitles on. Yep. Because like to, to truly understand, well, one, just like grok what they're actually saying, but then truly appreciate the, like you said, the floral nature of the speech is just it's it's one of the greatest shows ever written in my opinion like from a from a dialogue standpoint mm, cool well that's my cool thing so if other people are like me check it out cool thing good choice brian <laughs> um we're on season three now and i think it oh, kind of wow. dips in season three and then it ended so uh, enjoy the first two seasons they're very very good cool all right my cool thing is an iphone app Brian, uh, you are the proud owner of an iPhone 14, correct? Mm-hmm. 14 Pro, I should say, with, with mm-hmm. the dynamic island. Oh, boy. I just clicked on the link in the show notes. Uh-huh. So this is a clever little game that is, you know, it, I know it's good because it makes me mad because I wish I would have thought of it, right? It, it's basically block breaker, but instead of like blocks that you break with bouncing a ball up and down from the bottom of the screen with a little paddle, you're trying to hit the dynamic island and it's got a bunch of different power-ups and you know there's like a question mark box a la Mario Kart that pops up or, or I guess Mario that will do different kind of mini games like it will put extra bars in there like block breaker that you have to get through to get back up to the island or it'll give you extra balls or it'll give you stars which is like the in-game currency to buy skins for the paddle and balls and stuff it's a it's a paid thing i i paid for the ad free version because the ads are fucking annoying but that was like three bucks or whatever but i I play it enough it's a really nice thing when you need to be you know what you know actually what i use this for brian is when i listen back to the fully edited podcast like the final listen through i do this on my i play this on my phone because like (laughs) i don't have to really pay attention but just sitting there and listening is is too much or too little i don't know so this is my listen back to the podcast game that I play. And in addition to hit the island, there is a pinball variation that is basically the same. Instead of a paddle at the bottom, you have your two pinball paddles and hit on the left and right. The goal is, again, to hit the island at the top. Uh, mindless fun. See how far you can get. The further you get along, the faster it goes. It changes the background color. It's really well designed, very minimalistic, like you know, monochrome. I like it. Yeah, this is great. I'm playing it now. The ad 
Very, very annoying. Yeah, I hate the ads. But man, yeah, it's one of those things that's just very clever. I wish I'd, I'd thought of this. The um, It almost looks low frame rate. I wonder if that's intentional or a bug. Anyways, cool. We'll put a link in the show notes for people who also want a, what do you call this type of game? Just like a, I don't know. Like a mindless yeah, just time filler. You got five minutes and you want to kill time on your phone. Yeah, like literally turn your brain off and tap the screen. Yeah. Cool, cool thing. Cool things. Well, that does it. This has been episode 456 of the Design Details podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. As always, we're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Tweet at us whether you think designers should name their layers or not. And if you want to hear us talk about polishing and the extent to which one should polish in an early stage startup, head on over to the sidebar at Patreon, patreon.com slash design details. Subscribe and support us for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. And you get access to the whole backlog of sidebars and today's bonus content. So thank you, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.